Live from the Toad Hop Network Studios. In Hollywood, this, this is the ToadHopNetwork.com. It's a groovy way of relaxing. Radio worth watching. Radio worth watching. Hey, what's up, Geekscape? Welcome to a brand new episode of Geekscape here on the Toad Hop Network. We're here in the studio with our good friend Brandon Easton. He's a comic book writer. He's also written for television. And uh, he's a hell of a lot more creative than I am. Uh, so I was like, man, if I have him in here, I can leech off of his talent and have him on Geekscape and give it also a shout out to some of the projects he's involved in that we're going to promote here. Uh, so it's going to be a good comic book episode if you guys are listening we're going to be talking video games movies comic books tv this is geekscape so this is your first geekscape you're going to get boned up pretty good as far as all that geek information goes that's what we do you can also share with us by calling the the uh, phone line 323-622-8623 we're going to be picking that up throughout the hour um johnny ice is in the studio i'm hoping he had a good weekend and uh and brandon like how you been dude I'm good, man. We saw each other at WonderCon. We broke bread. Yes. Uh, yeah. What have you been working on? I know you've got... Uh, <clears throat> the reason I asked you guys to be here was because you and Flex Alexander, right. who I also saw it. Um, he's an actor? He's a dancer? Like, what is this guy? Well, he started off dancing with uh, Salt and Pepper way back in the day, and then he uh, did stand-up comedy for many years, and then uh-huh. he transitioned into TV acting and film acting. I he heard was he in, was um, on... Yeah, House of the Dead. Um, the House of the Dead. Uh, the Hills Have Eyes too. Uh, well, I heard before that he was in uh, what was that? Snakes on a Plane. No, in the TV show. One on one. One on one, and then uh, he played I, Michael Jackson too it, it, in one of those um, Michael Jackson biopics. Did he really? Yeah. Flex Alexander did. Mm-hmm. Now you guys may not know who I'm talking about, but uh, it's worth a Google. And uh, the, the the reason we're talking about him is because Brandon and Flex have a brand new book that's going to be coming out digitally uh, for your iOS platforms. It's called Joshua Run. It was. Uh, I guess Flex's idea, and you're right, you're yeah. scripting the book. Yeah. And w- as Flex described it to me, and you can uh, reiterate and, and elaborate, uh, it, it, it's like a younger college or younger version of like Enemy of the State. Sort of. Okay. Yeah. It's very much like a uh, Enemy of the State slash Eagle Eye Born Identity kind of story, where you have a ha- computer hacker who stumbles across something obviously he wasn't supposed to find, and right. he gets the entire you know United States defense. Uh, intelligence apparatus yeah. after him to silence him. And it's an amazing story. And Flex approached, uh, well, I believe Lineforge and Flex, Lineforge Comics and Flex uh, approached each other. I don't know how it happened exactly, but uh, he gave them the idea. I met with him and we got along famously. We have a lot of the same ideas about what's going on geopolitically. And I, you know, took about a couple of weeks and I scripted the entire graphic novel in like two weeks because it was, so, it was so well developed already. So okay. what I did was um, we went back and forth a few times, and after that it was done, and it looks amazing. And I'm really looking forward to seeing what this, the final version looks like. Now, this isn't going to be in comic stores. This thing's going to be on your iPad, iOS. Graphically. I guess you can get it off of the Amazon store as well? I believe so, yeah, you can. I mean, most of the Lion Forge comic stuff is 
all digital right now. Mm-hmm. And then later on, I believe there's going to be some uh, print stuff coming down the line. But generally speaking, it's going to be on Graphically. Uh, you can download it for the Kindle. And I'm not so sure about the Nook, but I definitely know it's on the Amazon store as well as Graphically. And, and all those stuff are like iPad. iPad too. and Android. Yeah. Absolutely. I, I got an iPad mini just so that I could read digital comics. Really? Yeah, I mean, uh, you saw me playing with the stupid thing earlier. Um, oh, is that what that was? It, it was this iPad Mini, and and I've become obsessed with it because I used to carry around my PowerBook uh, right. back and forth, to like when I was teaching or uh, when I would go to Comic Con. And then I get, I mean, I'm slow. I, you would think for a guy who runs like Geekscape, he would be up on like the technology mm-hmm. and like he'd be a geek in, in that respect. But um, I think I threw my back out like a million times. <laughs> You know what I mean? And then finally I get this iPad, and it, and I keep having to check my backpack for it because it's right. so light that I don't feel like I have it with me. Uh, and it's completely revolutionized uh, where and when I read my comics. And uh, my wife and I went out of town this weekend uh, to a wedding for a buddy of mine from college, and we brought the iPad with us. And there we were in the hotel room reading comics. Right. <laughs> you would think you get away. You know, you leave the kids and the dogs behind. You get out of town for a wedding. The wine starts flowing. You got the hotel room to yourself. Download some comics. Remember, she's still married to me, so we get that hotel room to ourselves. It's time to download <laughs> some comics and start reading. Well, it was better than TSA ruining them. So yeah. the digital you know, revolution has gotten me through airport security many times. Really? Yeah, because they like to go through everything as if you know comic books are going to bring a plane down right apparently so right and in, in, in i don't know in joshua run <laughs> joshua run i mean it seems like it's uh seems like it might be a possibility in, in a few of those panels that something that big might happen and it is a comic book sir well i will say this there is a money shot halfway through the book that if it wasn't a movie it would be the like special effect shot everybody would remember for uh-huh. the whole year it's just a cool cool moment Right. And, and tell me about these Lion Forge guys. Yeah. I, and, I'm, and I'm speaking rhetorically because we've had Hijack and, 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 and David and, and on the show, and we've talked about Lion Forge. But talk about these Lion Forge guys because this digital comics thing was something that I wasn't really convinced of because, right. to me, I buy, I buy paper. Same here. Every right. Wednesday I'm in the comic shop buying paper. And, um, and I, I just love having comics by my bedside. Mm-hmm. You know, um, Digital comics, though, now that there are some comics that you can only get Digitally, like um, some Geekscapist, when I got the iPad, uh, and I literally got it to read the Lionforge books. And as I'm, I'm uh, looking for recommendations, I, went, I, I put out to, to Twitter, um, guys, what are some good digital comics? And Brian K. Vaughn is writing this one called The Private Eye, and that mm. one was really cool. And there are a ton of comics that are available only digitally. Yeah, uh, Mark Wade um, has one. Uh, is it Mark Wade's company, uh, Thrillbent, mm-hmm. is digital only, and they do some really incredible stuff. And I mean, there's a lot coming out. I mean, I'm still a uh, you know paper and comic brick and mortar comic book store guy. But yes. there are like for example, I bought some Transformers comics because it, they had actually sold out in print, mm-hmm. and it was the uh, Megatron Spotlight from IDW about maybe three or four months ago. IDW does really great adaptations. Like I read, well, I read their Transformers stuff, stuff is some of the best science fiction comics being produced today because they're treating it like a real mythology. That's and cool. It's not like oh we just have the license. We're actually telling a story that would make sense. That adults, because generally speaking, most Transformers fans are Generation One fans, you yes. know, and they're usually thirty-five to fifty. And I don't want to watch or read the stuff that they're pushing today. I want to see a story that takes the mythology seriously, mm-hmm. you know. And IDW's done that. But my point was that, you know, I started to jump onto digital books 
because a lot of the print books were selling out because, you know, comic book retailers under-order everything because they can't return anything. Yes. So a lot of times, if you're not there on Wednesday, with the exception of, like, two or three big stores in New York and out here, you're not going to get the book you want unless you're a subscriber. I just missed out on the the new Mark Millar book. The Ju- oh, the, Jupiter's Legacy. Jupiter's, yeah, I, I picked that up, and it's pretty cool. But I, I got to, but like you're saying, I got to my comic book store on a Thursday, and the guy right, was like, right, hey, right. man, I'm ordering the second printing. Right. And you know, as comic book fans, when you hear yeah. that word "second printing," we're like, "Oh, because right. the, collect- the, the, right. the collector in us." But I got to go with second printing because I, I, I really, really, really want to read that book. Um, the digital thing, though, I'm talking about books that are only available digitally. Right. And what's exciting about them is, you know, the 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 the, the panel by panel view, right? Where you can just swipe through the yeah. panels like you're swiping through the pages. Uh, guys, again, if you've been into digital comics for so long, then this is like all like snooze fest for you. But to somebody like me, who I guess is a, at least a year behind the curve, that's really fun, and I think it's an exciting new medium. Now, Joshua Run, is there anything new in digital comics that you guys are adding to it that you like probably haven't seen in comic books before? You said it was a giant set piece. Yeah, I mean, through it. there are some things I called for in the script that would be uh, an entire page of just one digital shot. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that you know came out of WonderCon, as well as a couple of other conventions I've been to, was talking about the ways to maximize the digital format for visual storytelling. And one of the things that people don't like about digital is that you get the kind of search spotlight view where you're only looking at one panel at a time as opposed to the entire page. You can do that. That's an option. Yeah, but the thing yeah. is a lot of people don't like a lot of people don't know that's an option right. and they get that and they go crazy cuz they they're used to they're so used to absorbing the page as one solid narrative right. device, you know. I, I just mean? want it to smell like paper. Yeah, well that's not well, you know. Is there a way that they can make an iPad where it like feels <laughs> like paper? I don't know, man. Can you they know? do that and it starts to yellow and you leave it in the sun? And then you can actually put your coffee mug on it and get a little stain ring. Go for it, man. I mean, can they do that? And then maybe, like, you know, your dad can, like, roll it up and hit, hit you with it when you have too many comics and you don't take out the trash. And then you can get yelled at and your bike gets broken by the bullies up the street and they beat you up. Wait, wait. Wait, are we still talking about digital comics here? Because so I was having my own moment. The Joshua run. <laughs> yeah. I just believe that um, well, I, there's some really cool stuff in the script. And okay. some really cool characters. And I think that the artwork uh, is a brother named uh, J.R. Robinson, I believe. Is he a brother? Is yeah. he a brother? Yeah. Well, That's the one yeah. thing about the Lion Forge dudes. They're all black. <laughs> yeah, well, you know like, what I'm talking about? It's like 1% of the industry. Yeah, like they were know. like, we, we want to work with Geekscape. And I was like, I want to work with you guys because I need the protection. Like everyone at Lion Forge is black. <laughs> Not everybody. Marsha isn't black. Who's that? The, uh, <laughs> the chauffeur? Like you guys, like, come on. Everybody at Lion Forge is black, and that's why I like them. Because I, you know. like, I'm like, oh, you know what? Well, like, you know like, what? But how many Indians I never, are all white? I, I, like, I couldn't really make the basketball team in high school. Now I feel like I made it. Well, that's awesome. But no, but how many Indies generally are all white? You know, productions. I mean, most of them. Right. Because I'm, I'm very. Every time I go to a con, whether it's um, you know, I'm not going to name them, but there's a lot of companies which are predominantly uh, white, and there's nothing wrong with that. It's just the reality of the time. There's a lot right with that. Just say it. There's a lot right with it. Does it piss you off when you no, see it, a company No, it doesn't white? piss me off. And I'm going to tell you why it doesn't piss me off, because those people got together and they did what they had to do. I mean, it's a free market economy. Okay. Therefore, they you have think the right. there's real racism? Like, do you think that no, the, ra- like, well, people wouldn't yes. buy the You think that people wouldn't buy the books because they're made by a black creator? I think that professionals might not buy the books because they're made by black creators. I don't know if You think that you, you have not been... Do you think that the writers have been hired over you because of the color of your skin? No. Well, oh, well, well, that's a wait a minute. Let's, let's, let's be We're on Geekscape. Wait a minute. Hey, Johnny, we got an hour. No, no, no. Let's start at the beginning. Okay. I think that there are people in the American comic book industry who are, have anti-black prejudices. 
There are people in power at major companies and small companies okay. who generally believe that blacks aren't smart enough to write any books. Uh-huh. There are people who believe that. I know for a fact there are. Now, with that being said, I think that a lot of the anti-black prejudice, because I have to be very specific here because racism is a stupid term to use in this sometimes. Okay, what would you use? I would say anti-black prejudice because that's okay. what it is. Inter- usually, It's not usually just flat-out racism. Uh-huh. It's that they don't like blacks. Like okay. A lot of these people will hire Latinos and Asians that just don't like black people. Do you think you I know? can get a leg up when I tell them that I'm half Mexican? Probably, yeah. Okay. I mean, if they market it as such. You okay. know, if we can get south of the border, dollars. They're not worth much. But, yeah, okay. Yeah. But, uh, they might just deport me. Yeah, yeah. Like, here, hold but, this. Uh, but no, I mean, no, line for, I mean, it's just rare. I mean, I didn't know they were black. Well, I, I met Dave Stewart, who is the CEO. I, knew right. he, I met him, but I didn't know it was a predominantly black-run organization, and that wouldn't have changed my opinion if they weren't because I wanted to work. Right. You know, and they gave me an opportunity where, where I, went, I would go up to other to go on this, continue this line of thought. I used to go up to a lot of people, even with my credits in television and other stuff I've done, and they just wouldn't give me a shot. Because they I see just, a black person, right? And they just because, like, in their mind, because I don't know if you ever seen that movie Soul Man. Of course, I have. There was a scene when he's sitting. See Thomas Howe. Yeah, of course. And Ray John Chong. And she's, there's a scene where he's at, he meets her family. And yeah. He's sitting around the table, and each person, each white person, sees him as a different black stereotype. I think that because I'm six two and a huge guy, they see me as a potential threat, and they don't even give me the opportunity. Right. Because what it is is, it's not just about flat out racism. It's about not giving me the benefit of the doubt. Mm-hmm. Because one thing I know, and I have a lot of white male friends. One thing I've noticed that they get that sounds racist is that's awesome. But no, but seriously, what I noticed is they get the benefit of the doubt, and I right. don't. Like people, if I say I'm a writer, people kind of act like I'm making it up, mm-hmm. and I have to go through this long vetting process before they actually believe I'm actually a writer. But you wear glasses. Doesn't matter, man. <laughs> you know, it's like Clark Kent, right? But uh, you know, but no, and and it's not like something I'm going to complain about because I can't change private. You know, business. I mean, people. And you also hire. can't change who you are. Right. And also, like, what are you going to yeah, do about it? What are you right. going to do about it? That's my point. But the thing is, is that people can hire whoever they want to hire. Right. You know, and in some cases, I, you know, obviously there are extremely talented people who have a, you know, a, a following, a fan, a fan mm-hmm. base. And if they're going to pick up somebody else and he's white, that's fine. But I've, I've been, I've, I've been in situations, and I've written about this extensively, where I've gone into comic book companies, and they didn't know what I looked like. But then when I got there, the job suddenly wasn't available. Get the hell! That's ha- yeah, it's happened to me and a bunch of other. Wait, people. that's what they told you. No, yeah, but, the job, but no, the job right. was still available. Clearly, but the job was when clearly still me, available. They see you, and then suddenly, without even a com- right. like, the conversation turns cold. Yep, that happened to me at, at one large company. I'm not going to say which one, but that happened. Because I used to do uh, online dating, and <laughs> when I showed up, suddenly. Suddenly, the date wasn't there anymore. <laughs> they were like, "Oh, this guy sounds great," and then I would show up. Oh, and totally, I've, I've been, where, that, I've, right. I've been with you. I've been like where you've been. Right. I've been where you've been. Like, <laughs> like, like, like dating, don't talk- they see your picture? You know, I always had a picture. I always <laughs> you had your brother. Yeah, I always had Paul. I always had Paul's picture up, where I used Johnny Ice, mm-hmm. and I would just put it up there and be like, "Hey, I'm I'm six three. I like to do a lot of volleyball by the beach in slow mo." Mm-hmm. Uh, I, 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 speak, Gun. I speak French, mm. and I would show up, and this, you know, Zach Braff motherfucker shows up, and they're just like, "No, nah, okay," and door in the face. Have you seen the Woman of LA video? Yeah, that's me. Yeah, that no, was me. Uh, it's, it's funny. Uh, I my wife uh, thinks that I'm like a stalker who won. Wow. Like a stalker who succeeded. But she seems in getting, a nice, to be a nice person. My wife is amazingly merciful. Uh, she's very uh, patient and she's wonderful. And she wonders why. I, she's always like, "Why are you always obsessing over me? Like you got me. 
You wake up with me. You go to sleep mm. with me. You you spend every hour you can with me. Why are you still like, oh, I love you. Da, da, da. It's like you don't know how bad it was out there. You know what I mean? Like she doesn't know how bad it was. It's like I'm like Tom Hanks in like the, the you know where he's stuck on that damn island, you oh. know, and he finally got off the damn island. Right? I still have flashbacks that and my only friend is a te- is a, is, a, a volleyball. is a volleyball. Like I still have those flashbacks. Right. You know, we I, all do as geeks. I Absolutely. You. So so I've been there. Okay. I'm just fucking with you, Brandon. I don't Clearly. know where this went. Yeah, yeah I mean, yeah, but, I, I think your situation, is, that, that yeah. situation is very screwed up. Right. And But the thing is, is like I said before, I'm not going to ever complain about it. It's just the reality of our time. And I think what will change that is when you have more people like Lion Forge mm-hmm. showing up at conventions. Well, they got a couple know. books out right now on the Amazon yeah. Marketplace that you guys should pick yeah, up. Yeah, Rowboy, which was written by me. And there's a great series called Catalyst Prime, which is the beginning of their superhero universe. Mm-hmm. And I strong, I mean, I was blown away by it. Like, it was like, what if, one of them is, what if the Westboro Baptist Church got superpowers? Sort of like that movie. Like, you ever that's seen, creepy. Right, you ever seen Red State? The Kevin yes. Smith? Imagine if those people got superpowers. Like, that's what the book is. Like, like, the, la- like the people you definitely the crazy people. They would just yeah. start gen- being act- right. genocidal. And, and, and they would say it was God's hand that guided them to this. And... I was reading that because there's several Catalyst Primes, but The Chosen, that's the one with the crazy religious people, mm-hmm. that is a horrifying but brilliant book. I don't know which person wrote it because it was either right. Joel Selner, David Gordon, or uh, B. Alex Thompson, but whoever wrote that one, they bl- knocked it out the park. That's cool. It's excellent stuff. That's cool. No, yeah. I, I like those guys. I think um, we're talking about what we could do with Geekscape and Lion right. Forge and this and that. I just know that if you're a Geekscape fan... Or a brand new Geekscape fan listening for the first time, you're going to be hearing more about the Lion Forge stuff. And um, do you, I mean, are are print and paper books, you know, going to go away? Is digital the death the death knell of it? Well, I think probably in fifteen to twenty years, you won't have a print comic book as you know. Will as, it be vinyl? You know, like, will it be like vinyl records? I think there's always going to. Well, the question is, can comic book stores adapt? To accept a digital model that gives that allows them to monetize it, or they get any kind of feed, no financial. But you don't see reward. record stores able to do that, right? Exactly. So I don't know what's going to happen to the brick and mortar comic book shops because without physical comics, they won't exist. At the same time, there's not you know? an MP3 for comics, right? You know, not like yet. like like I downloaded comics from uh, what's the one that's not graphically um, Comicsology. Comicsology, and I got to read those in that app, and then. Lion Forge, I got to read in like the Kindle, and then these I got to read over on Comic Zeal, and like it, it seemed like there were three or four formats, like there were four or five, four, like all these different formats, and I'm like, well, there's not one MP3, like this isn't gonna run and catch fire until there's like one format that people can just download. It does what it does, and people can share or sell it, or do you, you know what I mean? Like it can just right. catch like fire, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, I do. I just don't know what's gonna happen. Don't know what's going to happen. Yeah. Um, but we do know Joshua Run's going to be out in like the next week or two. I believe so. A week yeah. or two. And so you guys can find it on Amazon. We'll pimp it when it, when it hits on the yeah, Geekscape I'll site. Um, what are you reading right now, comic-wise? You were talking about Transformers, but what else you got? Let's see. What would you I recommend read, to Johnny Ice, uh, the well, layman? It depends on what you like. I mean, I, I'm still reading some Marvel and DC stuff, but nowhere near as much as my usual oh, DC. past output. DC, DC. And, um, did you see what DC did this past week? No, I didn't. Okay, they, they released... No. They have a big crossover going on in the Green Lantern universe. Right. The first Lantern. And it's uh, got two issues left. One is the epilogue and one is the final mm-hmm. issue that's also the final issue of Jeff Johns' run on right, Green right, Lantern. Right, right, right. And it ends in issue 20 of Green Lantern. It's the end. That is the last book in the first la- uh, War of the First Lantern, First Lantern, whatever the, the storyline is. It ends in Green Lantern. And then there's an epilogue in Green Lantern Corps. 
Green Lantern Corps came out this week. The epilogue. The actual final issue of the storyline doesn't come out for another two or three weeks in the Green Lantern issue. So the epilogue's out, but the final issue of the right. crossover isn't out that comes before the epilogue. And they're just, they're doing that. You know what I mean? Like the free comic book day issue that came out on mm-hmm. Saturday for free comic book day was pre-52. <laughs> so right now DC yeah. over it. I had no idea. It's crazy. Like what's going on over there? If you're going to pimp anything, at least pimp right. something that is equivalent to what you would go onto the shelves and pick up. Right. You know, somebody picks up that Green Lantern Corps book, they're not going to know what yeah. the heck's going on. I mean, I don't read Green Lantern anymore. I stopped a long, like pretty much after the uh, Sinestro Corps War. No, okay. I read Sinestro Corps War. I tried to get into the War of Light, but it just didn't make right. any damn sense to me. There so, were a lot of colors. Right, right. That's anyway, I, I was checking out, um, I'm still checking out Superior Spider-Man. Yes, you know, it's um, a great book. All, I think it's really good. Yeah, it is. All new X-Men is really good. You know what, Bendis, I felt like Bendis, I was like, okay, the, the, the Avengers, you're doing a lot of chatty Avenger yeah. books, but then he gets on this X-Men book and it's like a brand new thing. It's awesome. I think the editorial mandate has been that maybe he needs to chill with all the word balloons mm-hmm. because there's beautiful artwork in that book and you need to see it. Amazing. And yeah. I'm really enjoying that. I read a lot of indie stuff. So what, like, what would you recommend to like Johnny Ice or I? Uh, well, Luther Strode, if you haven't read that, mm-hmm. The uh, Strange Tale of Luther Strode. It's sort of like Kick-Ass, but it's much darker and twisted. Who much puts more that twisted. out? Who puts that out? I believe that is, I want to say it's either Image. Yeah, I believe it's Image. Okay. Yeah, it's an Image book. Um, Jupiter's Legacy is fantastic. Uh, how dare you? You know, you know I um, missed that book. I'm actually, believe it or not, enjoying Action Comics and Superman. From DC, I didn't think I would, but I was, I'm really enjoying what's happening. You're talking happening about the new writers on the book, yeah, all the new stuff. Okay, yeah, yeah. Scott Lobdell and I forgot who's writing um, the regular Superman okay. title, and uh, I'm trying to think. There's so much. I mean, the Transformers stuff I'm loving. You are a big Transformers fan. You yeah, I've been stuff. a Transformers fan my entire Your life. entire life. Yeah, I yeah. love that. When you mm-hmm. got a chance to write an episode of Thundercats on the cartoon series, <laughs> do you just like in seventh heaven? Like, were you freaking out? Well, or- the idea was that it came at the end of a very long, horrible series of events from, like, 2008 to 2011. Like, my, I moved out here kind of almost on a whim, and my life got absolutely horrible when I moved here. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Like, like where'd you move from? I moved from New York City. Okay, and you, wh- why'd you move out here? Because I wanted to break into screenwriting. Okay, and so yeah. you move out here in 2008, I'm guessing? Right after the strike. Right after the strike, the, the, yeah. the WJ strike. So you're right out here, and, and what, what's so bad? What happened? Well, pretty much, I mean, any... Anybody with half a brain wouldn't have done what I did, but my infinite wisdom said, well, you should move here after everything's been destroyed so that you're here when they rebuild. <laughs> so you show up and the writer's strike is over. And, and there's no jobs. No jobs. And no. nobody's willing to represent me. No one's willing to give me a moment of their time. Mm-hmm. My graphic novel hadn't come out yet. Now, what's that? Shadow Law, my original, my first Where can we find novel. Shadow Law? Uh, Amazon, Barnes & Noble. Cool. Uh, it's on Comixology. Okay. And if you go to Arcana. Uh, comics.com or arcana.com you can order directly from them and, and that's got giant them. robots in it right it's like robots versus, uh, it's sort of like pacific rim with vampires okay that's like the best that. way i can explain uh, it. that's a great way to because the way it. i explained it before no one made it i used to say it's a cross between transformers and underworld that and, sounds awesome yeah but you know it's i'm just trying to get more people to know about it so that sounds awesome before johnny, that, you should johnny you should read that one so 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 what, so what else? So what, I moved, so what happened? Yeah. Well, I mean, I had a lot of bad things happen. I mean, nobody, you know, obviously it was after a strike and the industry dried up. There was no spec money anywhere. No one was just buying scripts. I mean, it was the beginning of the transmedia marketplace, meaning that in a post-content era, meaning that people wanted someone who already had a fan base 
to come yeah. to their door. Yeah. You know, and everyone was looking at young adult novels and graphic novels that were already completed with yeah. a fan base. So that's, it why, was I mean, tough. that's why we built Geekscape so that we could start right. partnerships up. Nobody right. knows who I am. They don't know me from Adam, but I'm like, right. oh, I got this website. And it's not just me. Like, Matt Kelly can put out his stuff. Or right. I was talking to Paul, who designed our site. He's the, the British guy who codes our site, and he's going to start writing a novel. And I was like, we'll promote on the site. And we got Brandon up here, like, promoting the stuff. I kind of built it for friends to be able to promote their stuff, too. And here you are. And I appreciate that. So Shadow Run. In, Shadow in, Law. In, in, in Shadow Law. Well, I say Shadow Run because I'm a big Yeah, the you know, RPG I'm a, person, yeah, right? Big, Everyone big, says it. I'm a big nerd. <laughs> Most people call uh, it Shadow Land, so you no, didn't do too bad. Sh- <laughs> Remember Shadow? Shadow Run kicked ass. But um, but this whole thing, Shadow Law, um, you have that, and you're trying to find a way to get it out yeah. and get the pages colored and picture and done. And, yeah. and so so anything crazier happened than just complete unemployment? Well, I had three jobs. I was working at Crenshaw Mall, which was, for those who are not in SoCal, Crenshaw Mall is not too far away from where the riot started back in 1992. At least you weren't white working in Crenshaw Mall. Man, I felt like I was because yeah. I'm from the East Coast, and the vibe out here is completely different. Oh, is that right? I mean, I hate to – well, to be honest, it's like the black community in SoCal is not like the black community anywhere else because it's, it's regional. People are regionally divided more so than racially divided. So I don't I don't have the same attitude or mentality as a lot of the folks out here you know, who, who live in certain areas do. Okay. And I think that because the black community in SoCal is decentralized, like there's no Harlem equivalent out yes. here. There's no unity. No, exactly. Is that so, what you're saying? Yeah, there's a lot of like infighting. So okay. I didn't really fit in with a lot of the folks, and then. But geeks do that too, because like there's Doctor yeah. Who people, <laughs> and we all. Yes, and, 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 and then there's those right. really pathetic people who want like Serenity to come back, and it's never going to come back. <laughs> it might. I'll get it. Okay, okay. Dude, Let's kickstart that. It, like, Dude, like, geeks if they kickstart it, Farscape. Yeah, I mean, Farscape. Uh, coming, Firefly. That was that shit would make like ten million. If if Farscape gets kickstarted, I'll pay for it. Yeah, well, it, they'll have to make it for 30, see, they'll they, have to make it for thirty dollars, but I'll pay for it. And, and, and so, so I love how I'm taking serious issues that you've dealt with in your life, and I'm just like, geeks do that. And one time I was yeah. online dating, but 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 would it be akin to how geeks are like no, making no, fun of people no. who uh, cosplay, and then there are the geeks over here who are like, no, no, Gaians, and there's the comic no. book geeks versus these geeks. See, the, the geek analogy or allegory is interesting because I feel that the commodification of geekdom mm-hmm. in the 21st century yes. has allowed all these people who would have Never ever given this stuff a chance. You I hate mean, it. You hate it. Don't I don't you? hate it, but I just find it weird that people care about Doctor Who when Doctor Who was around for a long time. Absolutely. But the only reason a lot of, unfortunately, a lot of newer fans care is because they're cute British guys. If they look like the dudes they used to look like, you know, With like old, disgusting British yeah. men, no one would care about it. But because they found like these kind of poster boy types in um, Tennant and Matt Smith, suddenly people care about Doctor Who. Doctor Who's been around since the 60s. Yes. And I've never seen so many women interested in Doctor Who. In my life, I mean, every show I go to, there's like 15,000 women dressed up like... Like a phone booth. Yeah, or, yeah. or TARDIS or one of the two guys. Right. I'm like, what's with all this weird... You know, it's weird. Anyway, some people might get pissed off about that, but I just think they that should. there's way too many geeks who are faking, Cosplay doesn't mean you know? putting a suit on. Try a little harder. <laughs> In a bow tie. Try but, a little uh, harder. And I think the worst thing that happened to me was a fire. I had a fire that displaced me for like two weeks. So what? I learned, yeah, I learned what it was like to be homeless. In I LA. didn't mean to do that. Oh, yeah, well. You know. It was Johnny Ice's fault. Well, unless you were like a short Jamaican crazy woman, I don't think That's you had anything Johnny else Ice. to do. Anything to do with For that. a man named Ice, things get awfully hot, awfully fast. <laughs> <laughs> That's awful, man. Did you lose anything in the fire? Yeah, a house. <laughs> mm. Well, an apartment. I mean, right, right, I, right. I, I never heard of renter's insurance. Oh no, so, get out of here! You, really? What the fuck? Back east, nobody has renter's insurance. Okay. You just move, or the landlord pays for it. Find shit. the motherfucker well, who did it. Yeah. Well, I knew who did it. It was a crazy Jamaican woman who lived upstairs. She mm-hmm. burnt the house down. Wow. 
Did you go after her? You know those bad guys from uh, Mark for Death are going to come after you. Those fuckers, Five million those ways to die. Those motherfuckers, those dudes that Steven Seagal had to fight. I remember. I saw that movie okay. many times. No, she did. She was. No, she wasn't that crazy. Mm-hmm. But she burnt our house down. So, and I learned real fast that you don't want to be homeless in Los Angeles. No, because nobody cares. Like, it's pretty callous. Yeah. Yeah, oh yeah, because no the, 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 the wealth disparity in this town is insane. Yes. So anyway, so after that, after Shadow Law finally came out in January of 2012, and I had already started working on Thundercast, things started to change. And I met uh, the Lion Forge dudes at Comic-Con at the Dwayne McDuffie Memorial at the Black Panel. Okay. And that's how I actually met Dave Stewart, who was the CEO of Lion Forge. And, and then I saw you at breakfast. Yes. When we went to their breakfast. Yes, absolutely. And I was like, I know you, sir. And I, I invited a ton of people to their breakfast, and most of the people who showed up actually got hired. And that was kind of a thing where I felt people didn't take it seriously enough. And I'm like, no, these guys are serious. And you should come to this breakfast if you're looking for work or you're looking to just find out who they are. And here's the thing you about know? Geekscape is because you guys know from listening to the episodes that uh, Lion Forge, one of the partners, is DJ Hijack from the forums, the Geekscape yes. forums. He's been around forever. And I remember I a like few him. years ago, he's amazing. And I remember a few years ago him being like, yeah, I'm going to start a combo company. And I'm like, okay. It's like Matt Kelly starting a record label or any of these guys from Geekscape going to do something. And I'm like, okay, I'll, uh, I'll hold my breath. And it's just, uh, come on. Yeah. Like, Matt Kelly is going to do it but all but he didn't but to the level that lion forge came out of nowhere like i went to right. that um, i went to that breakfast and was just like okay these guys are serious yes and then at wondercon this year they had the biggest booth and major publishers were there did you go to c2e2 yeah we went to C2E2. so so mm-hmm. lion forge was at c2e2 did they have the biggest booth there they didn't too? have the biggest booth but they had one of the most well attended booths. it's crazy and the interest level of just passerby was just amazing. I mean, because the way, because I don't know if you've seen the Lion Forge booth for those who are watching, but if you go to lionforgecomics.com. There's a picture of this event on C2E2. And or I think Lion there's a video. I think yeah. there's a video. And it, it looks like, because they're from St. Louis, so it looks like the arches, and it's, it's really cool. Or if blue. you watch Defiance. Or if you watch Defiance, yeah. The whole city's Good underground, show. but that Good one show. arc is still up there. <laughs> I do love Defiance. You know why? No. Rogneo Bannon. Bannon, that's true. The guy yeah. who created Forest he, he, he loves He loves creatures. And Dexter's girlfriend. I love her so much. Uh, what's her name? The actress on the show. Um, There's a lot of Ju- uh, Julie Benz or whatever her name. Oh yeah. yes, oh, Darla love, from Angel. I love her. Yes, so I love and Buffy. I love. Oh. Yeah, Defiance Dar- kicks yeah, ass. You watching good. Defiance, Johnny? How dare you? Did you see how he said that? He said it was like for gays. Derisively. See how he said he was like yeah, derisively. He was like, he's like no, I'm not. NBA, no NBA playoffs. I'm gonna watch on. that NBA playoffs going on. Dog. Stanley Cup, baby. Well, uh, just to let you know, we are watching <laughs> hockey, NBA, and Defiance. So take that, Johnny Ice. Um. Yeah, they had a, the biggest booth yeah. at WonderCon. It was awesome, and that it really at that breakfast, and then at WonderCon, I was like, Yeah. Well, they, oh they came God. out at Wizard World St. Louis, yeah. and that was a hell of a coming out party. Right. So uh, those guys yeah. were awesome. And yeah. Honestly, guys, they have four or five books up on the Amazon. Doc, uh, it's Amazon Forge. Right? Com, Yeah, they have the Forge they have the Com, the, yeah. the books out on the marketplace right now, and if you have an iOS. Reader, or I mean, if you have a uh, if you have a uh, iPad, you should download them and read comics. Um, we got another half hour here. We can, the phones are open three two three six two two eight six two three. We got another half hour here. Yeah, where on is Geekscape. everybody at, man? I we're told be people talking, to listen. We're gonna be talking. They're they're intently listening to you and your tales of uh, all this destruction. Stuff. <laughs> it's tales of destruction, <laughs> Jamaican people burning down your shit. Uh, guys, we got some more time. We're gonna take a quick spot break. We'll be right back on Geekscape talking Iron Man three. We're gonna be talking mm. Ray Harryhausen and uh, some more stuff coming up down the pipe. So come right back. You're listening to the Toad Hop Network, radio worth watching. 
Thursday is May 12th. Show your mom why you're the favorite by getting her flowers from Pro Flowers. Pro Flowers has one dozen rainbow roses for just $19.99. Or for just $10 more, upgrade to pink or yellow potted roses. With this beautiful arrangement, she'll be blown away. She might even forget the time when you were five and created the Sesame Street crayon mural on the living room wall. Pro Flowers are guaranteed to last a full week or your money back. Ordering is fast and easy. And here's how you get this amazing Mother's Day deal. Go to ProFlowers.com, click on the microphone in the top right corner, and type in Toad Hop. That's ProFlowers.com, click on the microphone, and type in Toad Hop. So stop searching for the perfect Mother's Day gift. You already know what it is, and it's ProFlowers. Order now. This deal expires soon. To leave your house to shop, to crawl through traffic to the mall, just to find the thing you wanted, isn't even there at all. Amazon.com is the answer. Shop at home and style and ease. Find exactly what you want. Ordering your stuff's a breeze. Books on tape. Games galore. Everything you're looking for. Kindle. Cameras. Electronics. Baby Einstein. Hooked on phonics. Blu-ray. Movies. And TV. Downloads. Music. MP3. Pixar. Disney. Microphones. Pet supplies and doggy bones. World of Warcraft. Nancy Drew. Sims. The Scruffs. them too. Click Amazon. You'll smile with glee. Sometimes shipping is even free. Hey, Toad Hop listeners, the sports guru and the butt knocker from the Sportscast Wednesdays, 4 to 6 Pacific Standard Time. You got to check us out, man. We do sports like nobody else. Cover NHL, NBA, NCAA, NFL. We cover all sports. We got you got not the fuck out. Bonehead of the week. Check us out on Toad Hop Network, 4 to 6 on Wednesdays. And if you miss it, go back and watch it live. ToadHopNetwork.com or download the audio from iTunes. While you're there, leave a comment and rate the show. Hey, guys, we need it. We're the nickel and dime show of the network. Check us out. A lot of fun. With Gamefly, choose from over 6,000 titles. Play as long as you want and send them back when you're done. $8.95 to start, no late fees. Gamefly.com. Games delivered. What's up, Toadheads? Hey, make sure you check out the Toad Hop store on ToadHopNetwork.com. It's a great way to support the network and helps continue to bring you quality programming. Quality programming, my ass. Can you see I'm recording, you Oh. You're listening to the Toad Hop Network, radio worth watching. Hey, what's up, Geekscapists? Welcome back to Geekscape. Uh, it's really funny. I was looking for Johnny, and he did like the little head nod, like, hey, the mic's live. Get on it, bro. And he did the little head nod, and I was like, um, did he twitch? Uh, are we live? Uh, what's, what's happening here? Um, guys, I, I want to tell you about a little something that happened this morning. Um, my wife, who is easily smarter than me, uh, got me a Mother's Day card to send to my mom uh, because not that I would forget, but I wouldn't remember until like Saturday. And my mom lives in New Mexico and I know she's listening right now. So, mom, you're getting a card in the mail. Uh, and here's the thing. I was filling out the card because I love my mom and I'm writing to her just, you know, it's one of the few times a year that you can actually tell your mom what she means to you. And uh, as I'm writing it, I'm about to sign it. And you guys know I have a younger brother, Paul. Uh, the pro wrestler, and I'm about to sign it, and I go, you know what, should I uh, try and get Paul here, and he can sign it too, because I know Paul's going to forget. Like, Paul forgets every year, and he's like, but I called her, but I called her, but calling's not good enough on Mother's Day, you know how it is. And uh, here's what I felt really bad about. As I'm signing the card and thinking about whether or not my brother should sign it, I should get, should get together with him to sign it, um, I'm, I'm like, you know what, what's going to make it worse is I sent her proflowers.com. <laughs> Because remember last week on the show, I, I ran the ProFlowers.com ad, and we had that uh, Toad Hop code to put in for the, for, the, for the discount. And I'm like, you know what? Even if he does sign it, I'm still going to bury him as far as who sibling rivalry goes because 
the card and the flowers are going to show up. And uh, that's not just something that I'm partaking in, guys. That's a deal that we have open for you guys, too. So you can also be the winner of your sibling rivalry uh, because Pro Flowers has one dozen rainbow roses plus a free glass vase for $19.99. And that's part of our promotional. Uh, that's part of our promotion with the promotional code TOADHOP. Or you can double those roses and get chocolates for just $29.98. And this is how you do it. You just need the, uh, you just need the code TOADHOP when you order to get those special prices. So that's, that's, what, that's what you're going to get, a colorful bouquet of roses that will make mom smile. And listen, it's just for our radio listeners, okay? And I've already partaken in it. So I'm just bearing my brother at this point, and um, it's real easy to do. All you got to do is uh, it, to get this deal is go to proflowers.com, click on the microphone in the top right corner, and type in Toad Hop. That's proflowers.com. Click on the mi- microphone, type Toad Hop, order now, and that special pricing will end soon. And it should because Mother's Day is right around the corner, and uh, you pretty much almost have to overnight it. But they can deliver anywhere in the world and get on it because uh, that offer is running out. Toad Hop. Just click on that little microphone. Um, so... Uh, you going to do that for your mom? you going to send her flowers? Your mom here? She's back in the Northeast. Nah, she's in Baltimore. She's in Baltimore, huh? Yeah. So you going to do something nice? You're going to call her? I'll call her. You're doing what Paul London does. <laughs> <laughs> call her. Hey, mom, I was thinking about you. And she's going to be like, yeah, well, uh, I'm looking at flowers from John. Mm. And I'm just going to be like, yeah. And then he's going to call me and be like, did you have to do that? You made me look so bad. Um, but then you know what? Sorry. Sorry, Charlie. That's the way I play. Um, let's talk. Let's talk recent events. Really, sure. the, the thing we should talk about the most is the passing <clears throat> of Ray Harryhausen. Yes. I looked up uh, a Tuesday, and Ray Harryhausen had passed. And yeah. it's one of these things that you grow up with, so you never think they're actually going to pass away. I, I didn't know. I had to say it. I didn't know he was still alive. I thought he had passed a while ago. Wow. We've, you know? I mean, we have lost a lot of our legendary creators. Yeah, that's true. And Ray Harryhausen, the first, I mean, he was our introduction to... Was, special effects. Special effects. And, and really, like, the rep, like, he was so iconic in creating our view of fantasy. I think him, mm. Boris Vallejo, like, mm. these guys created what we thought was the epitome of what a Minotaur should look like, right, what a right. Kraken should look like, right. what a Medusa should look like, and how they should move. Like, how many Medusas have you seen in even video games or That copy or Jason and the Argonauts. Completely copy yeah. Jason and the Argonauts. Absolutely. You know what yeah. I mean? And... When we grew up like that, I mean, the fight against the, the skeleton army mm-hmm. or even, yeah. you know, seeing Harry Hamlin fly around on a Pegasus, that stuff is so iconic. Uh, without him, it's like, how can you ever do fantasy without the grandfather, without the building blocks, right. you know, without him there? I guess it would be like animating in the years after Walt Disney's passing. After you have a legend like Chuck Jones or Walt Disney pass, how do you possibly do the art form when the master's gone? Only thing you can do is pray that the upcoming generations take the time to study him. Right. Because when he did pass away, my Facebook page was blown up with uh, retrospectives and, mem- and, mem- and memorials. And right. I think that was a good sign that I had the right type of friends. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And a lot of the people I know who work in the industry, I know a ton of uh, special effects artists and screenwriters and producers, they all had something to say about the passing of Ray Harryhausen. And... Uh, you know, I mean, I, I sat there in shock myself because I was like, wow, I mean, when you lose people like that, they, they, they don't have people to replace them. There's nobody really doing no. on that level what he did, how he changed the game. You know? yes. I mean, I think the last time we had a catastrophic shift like that was when Lucasfilm put together ILM in 76. Mm-hmm. You know, and that I wasn't was, around. And, and, yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we but, were kids. Yeah, yeah, I mean, but but, but they, that's what I mean, though, is that like every 
I'd say generation or two, there's someone that comes along and fundamentally shifts the nature of cinema. Completely redefines it. Right, the, and the Harryhausen was one of those people. I mean, right. Orson Welles would be another one. Would you, you say know. that James Cameron with the Avatar technology or Cam- Peter Jackson with uh, that, that, this whole kind of generation um, of, you know, you can throw Ang Lee in there, I guess, but I would generation say, of 3D artists? I would say that James Cameron's work on Terminator 2, mm-hmm. and I think that was ILM as well. Right. You know, that's kind of my point, that ILM was that shift. He, they were the Harryhausen of the, of the 70s mm-hmm. filmmaker generation. I don't know, maybe Digital Domain, sure. you know, and uh, Rhythm and Hughes, which, you know, rest in peace, I guess, right. you know. But I would, I would say that stuff that James Cameron did with The Abyss, uh-huh. the director's cut, would be very, you know, transformative. Or with the T-1000, you're right. Right, and, yeah. and Terminator 2. But if you look at the director's cut of The Abyss with the frozen giant tidal wave that was going to wipe out humanity, that's a great example of the industry moving forward and people not realizing it. Because you never had... Because it was in the director's cut. <laughs> right, but the, trick is, <laughs> right. but the trick is is that when you're dealing with special effects, there's certain factors you have to put into play about density and light and movement mm-hmm. with water effects. And the fact that he was willing to do a whole movie using water effects on that level, yeah. was it was mind-blowing. You right. know? So, uh, yeah, James Cameron is a good example because he thinks outside the box in terms of what you want to do visually, and he tells a very simple story very well. And Ray Harryhausen's likewise. And, I mean, yeah, I mean, it's like, I don't, I don't know. I mean, I'm glad that there's shows like on, on the Sci-Fi Channel, the one with the makeup people, because mm-hmm. I'm yeah, still seeing off. Yeah, the practical effects stuff, I think people really need to focus on that. Because sometimes CGI doesn't do the job that a really good practical no. stop motion effect. It should can really do. just be for augmentation. Right, exactly. I, uh, yeah. you know, it's not a very well kept secret, but um, Geekscape's working on a, a presentation that we're about to take out, and my brother stars as my brother, and he gets transported to a fantasy world like the Beastmaster or Krull, and he has to fight. Uh, like minotaurs and things, but he's only got wrestling skills. Not unlike Galaxy Quest, like they see <laughs> wrestling, they think it's real, and they transport them there. And that's really the the, the I like that. that's the idea for this show that that we have the Geekscape logo in front of, and we've been working on. And uh, Tuesday, when we got this news about Ray Harryhausen, uh, we were in a VO, my brother and I were in a VO session for the you know because if you're we're doing a trailer to show to different places, and you've got to have the guy who's like. In a world of fantasy, you know, from like the 80s mm-hmm. stuff, who did all those 80s trailers. So we had an, an older actor in the studio doing that. And just earlier that day at lunch, um, I was thinking about the footage and how we really kind of did the Star Trek thing where Paul is on this fantasy world and he's only really fighting humanoids. He's fighting a minotaur or a lizard man or, you know, I'm not going to spoil it, but he's fighting all these different things. But they're really just people in costumes. And I was thinking, Paul, we should do something where you like turn a corner and look up. And we do some forced perspective stuff where there's like a stop motion animated giant or a statue comes alive or there's mm-hmm. a giant monster that comes out of the ocean. We should just do some Ray Harryhausen stuff. And it wasn't but a few hours later that we get the news that Ray Harryhausen died. Mm-hmm. And it was shocking to me because with these legends, you always think that they're going to last forever. Right. you know. And hopefully we can get this show going. And we can do sequences that are my brother fighting <laughs> giant Ray Harryhausen-like uh, monsters, because mm-hmm. uh, is such a part of the fantasy language. As I said before, it right, really introduced right. us to those images for the first time of a little person in a giant monster or right. a giant lizard, and I so mean, awesome. The trick is also that most of cinema history and FX history are people in suits, you right, know, and just people believing that that's a creature. I'm not beyond the you kaiju know? stuff. Like I'm not. Right, uh, yeah, I'm right, not beyond right, right, like right. the the you know the the the. 
the stuff that that they did in the Godzilla movies with mm-hmm. first perspective, but the stop motion animation, mm-hmm. I, I just think it has such a, a personality right. that was magic to us as kids. It still is. Yeah, very much so. I, mean, um, I still get a chill when I see those skeleton warriors. I mean, incredible. You know, to this incredible. day, they released. I think Criterion did a Blu-ray release of Sinbad Argonauts. Oh, it was okay. Sinbad. What's Sinbad it? had the giant like like Vishnu type monster mm-hmm. statue that attacked, and then um, Jason the Argonauts. It might have been Jason the Argonauts with the skeleton yeah. warriors. Yeah, and I think Criterion released a very special edition Blu-ray about two years ago. Oh, I gotta find that. Oh yes, yeah, gotta fantastic. find that. Um, I want to pause real quick and remind you guys. I haven't actually. It's not a reminder, guys. Things with Geekscape are so busy that we get into partnerships and things start happening, and I don't even have time to put them up on the website. But I want to let you guys know that if you're in Southern California right now. Uh, on Saturday, well, this entire weekend, really, it starts tonight, there's something called BlasterCon that's going on in Woodland Hills. And if you go to BlasterCon.org, you can find information about it. You can also go to their Facebook page on Facebook. You can look, search for BlasterCon. And um, uh, I'm going to be hosting three panels there on Saturday. So if you, this isn't enough jibber-jabber geekscape for you guys. On Saturday, I'm hosting three pl- panels. At 3 o'clock, I'm doing Panel of the Undead with my buddy Matt Moak, who's been on Geekscape. We're going to be talking zombies. Uh, at 5.30, we're doing a superhero movies panel, talking about all you know the big trend of superhero movies that is continuing and get, only getting bigger. Uh, and at 7 p.m., we're going to do the great Star Wars debate, where we're going to be talking all about Episode Seven and what we want mm. out of Star Wars. And, guys, Star Wars wow. is, is our love, so we got to talk about Star Wars. Uh, there is a coupon code for Geekscapists who want to go to the convention. So the coupon is QDJJP. I don't know what it means, but uh, QDJJP will get you guys a discount on con admission. So use that code either online or at the door, and they'll know you're a Geekscapist you're going to be wearing your shirt anyway, right? And uh, come watch those panels. I'll be there Saturday, but I know it runs Friday, Saturday, and Sunday uh, up in Woodland Hills. Check BlasterCon on, on Facebook for more information or BlasterCon.org. Uh, I just like talking to geeks, so, you know, I want to go to the convention and talk to them. Let's talk, because I mentioned superhero movies, Iron mm. Man 3. I didn't talk about it last week Jesus with Adrian. Christ. Well, last week I, I hadn't seen it yet, and I had this guest on, and he had seen it, but he he said what I think was... Uh, was the right answer. He said Iron Man 1 is still the best Iron Man. Yes, clearly. And, and having seen Iron Man 3, where do you put it in the... Let's start easy. Where do you put it on the ranking of Iron Man 1, 2, and 3? It would be 1, 3, and 2. So 2 is worse than 3. Oh, absolutely. 2 is one of the worst superhero movies. One of the, Iron Man 2 is one of the worst movies I've ever seen in my life. Oh. Period. Okay. I, I hated that movie. I got an entire shelf for you. You know, <laughs> I, got oh a, I got a shelf that'll make Iron Man two look like an Oscar worthy. Oh really? Film. I got some bad movies, yeah. um, but Iron Man three. Why? Why the? Why the face, man? I just felt that they didn't really do anything with Tony Stark's character, and I kind of felt that it wasn't Robert Downey Jr. playing Tony Stark. It was Robert Downey Jr. being Robert Downey Jr. in Iron Man three, and it just didn't feel. It didn't. It, there was a lot of. There was a lack of charm. Mm-hmm. I think the charisma vacuum known as Gwyneth Paltrow didn't help me. Oh, she's a sweetheart. I don't know why. I don't know what she's like as a person, but as an actress, she just was like a black hole of charisma. Mm-hmm. And I don't know why they cast her as Pepper Potts. I don't know who she paid off to get in that franchise, but it's just not. I just didn't like her. I still don't like her in the role. Don Cheadle was underused and criminally underused again. I think he's fantastic. Yeah, yeah. but they didn't do anything with him. Sure. I mean, and. There was so many little things about the movie. Like I felt like about 25 minutes into it, it turned into Knight Rider. 
mm-hmm. because he's suddenly Michael Knight in this small town with some precocious teenager, and they're running around building stuff. And I'm right. like, what? This is like an '80s Stephen J. Cannell show in the middle of Iron Man three. Well, it's fairly you know. different. In, in in if you haven't seen it, there may be spoilers ahead. So. Uh, it's it, the movie ended up fairly different than what I thought they advertised well, with the Mandarin trailer, and well, that didn't bother me. W- but what I really wanted to see was technology versus magic. Or, we did not get that. Or Soul Man, because technology versus magic, magic has such an advantage. And if t- if Tony is technology, I think the stakes are very high, and you really have a great opportunity to do something new rather than just yet another snubbed industrialist yeah. coming back for revenge which, again. Which they did in the first one, they did in the second one, and now in the third one, another snubbed industrialist coming back for revenge. Um, the the other idea that the trailer gives you that wasn't you know fleshed out and, and or wasn't seen in the movie is the idea of global terrorism versus versus a lone man or a smaller organization or even Shield. I mean, global terrorism. Wow, like what a concept. That's actually, what Shield is for. We're actually dealing with it in in, right. in the world, but. Even that was a fake out when you actually right. see the movie and realize uh, that wasn't true. I think that director Shane Black, who also co-wrote the screenplay, I think he wanted to make a 80s action movie. And it felt like I was watching Lethal Weapon 2 with Power Armor. With those villains? Because even the end yeah. ended in the same type of yard as Lethal Weapon 2. There were shots with you know, you know, the scene when she falls. Yeah, I laughed out loud in the theater. That was the same shot from when Le- Mel Gibson falls right. in Lethal Weapon 2. I mean, literally, it was the same shot. Yeah. And I kind of felt that, well, he didn't want to put a lot of power armor in it because we very rarely saw Tony in the suit. They were just giving the suit to anyone. It was just bouncing around. It just felt like a really bad video game. Mm-hmm. And it felt like a video game. Ver- and logic went out the window. I mean, I didn't. I mean, I know the Marvel Universe is still the same United States, and I don't know how those suits made it from Malibu to Miami in like about three minutes, they <laughs> well, would have to have gone ten thousand miles an hour to make that trip. Um, I mean, there's some there's some parts of the movie where you where, where uh, my 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 issue my biggest issue is um, that when you want to create it's a story thing and it's a character mm-hmm. thing um, when you really want to raise the stakes for your character you make the stakes higher you make the bad right. you make the bad guys badder you make the bad guys bigger. But I felt like Tony in this has yet to make anything that actually worked properly. Right. You know, the drama, I felt, in the tension came out of making Tony more incompetent, unable to make a suit. And <laughs> Pepper isn't removed from that. I mean, how many, how much of the drama in, or tension in the movie came out of Tony being like, come on, work, come on, work, or the suit mm-hmm. failing or the suit not responding? And I'm sitting here going, okay, this guy's the best robotics expert in the world? And not only that, but... When Killian comes, Guy Pierce's character comes to see Pepper at the beginning to ask Stark Tech for money mm-hmm. to fund these human bomb, you know, soldiers, which is part of the you extremists. Know, yeah, part of the Karen Gillan storyline that they recently did with the human bombs, and he wants to, uh, in, you know, in the Warren Ellis origin, you know, origin for the car- for the extremist armor and all that stuff. That stuff is great basis, is a great basis, but he comes and he asks for money, and Pepper says, "Listen, we're not. It's weaponizable. We're not going to do that. It sounds dangerous." No. He then reveals that he has another backer. He implies that it's the Mandarin. But then there's a reveal that the Mandarin's just an actor he hired, and right. he is the Mandarin. So why did he go to Pepper? Because he wanted to sleep with her? Maybe. I mean, on top of that, there, there's the whole issue of um, you not knowing what your former employer looks like. Right. And he's standing in the office, and he's suddenly good-looking, and she's like, oh, my God, I had no idea. Even though Tony references a magazine he's on the cover of, and it's a trade magazine of which he is involved 
I mean, doesn't Tony, doesn't Stark run an expo? Like, they run their own trade show, and they don't know who the other leaders of their industry are. So in that way, just those little tiny things, I'm like, all right, so the characters are actually much dumber than they claim to be. And I I agree. I don't think that smartass equates to smart. And Tony Stark is smart and a smartass, and I got tons of the smartass. I didn't get any of the smart. Well, the scene when he, when uh, James Rose, Don Cheadle's character, tells him, oh, you know, not all guns have the same ammunition carriages. I'm like, he's a weapons manufacturer. Wouldn't he know that? Yeah. I mean, that was a weird moment. He needed a lecture. Um, It's just like this forced kind of incompetent banter that just doesn't fit a lot of movies. And Marvel's been excelling at that lately. Well, at the end of the movie, well, first off, as far as movies go, if anybody says... Let's do this. I'm done. <laughs> I think that's one that has to be retired. The phrase, let's do this, let's just retire it. Right. Okay, so at the end of the movie, shit starts hitting the fan. President is in danger, held hostage um, for the world to see the execution. Uh, Pepper's in danger, also held hostage. Tony and Rhodey are going into the rescue on this big tanker. Everything's going to be a huge ending, and we've seen through the trailers that there's going to be tons of armors uh, that come to the rescue. And Tony says, I've been saving something for emergencies. And all these armors come flying out, not one of which goes to save the president who's hanging like a, like a, like a, a freaking crucified. Uh, pretty much. He was praying like, yeah, he's hanging like a Christmas ornament. And none of the armors go to save him. Rhodey's got to do it without any armor. He's actually got to go in like which a makes no sense. Again. Make, have the armors do it, which is why I laughed when Gwyneth Paltrow fell into the fire because I was like, that's on you, Tony. You could have had an armor picker up at any time. And they were fighting those 90s lethal weapon villains, and they, you could have just had a piece the, of armor the lava people, right, I was right. laughing my butt off, but nobody cared in the theater because I think they were try- taken out of it too. Here's the thing. Tony calls those armors up, and he goes, I've been saving something for emergencies. Earlier in the movie, when those three helicopters are shooting missiles at his house and his loved one, that's not an emergency? How? How is that not an okay. emergency? My thing is— That's a huge emergency. He's shooting missiles at your house. He didn't have a defense network set up already. Because he's already gone through he had anxiety. Iron Man 1, Iron Man 2, and Avengers, and he never thought to protect his home with any type of defense network. He, he had those armors in his basement. But helicopters Why didn't he use shot them? him, shot his house off a cliff. I mean, But he had those armors in the right, basement. Yeah. Why wouldn't he call the armors in the basement? Why didn't he just have like a missile himself? He shoots he's a, a defense contract. Because he has a piano he can use. Oh, the piano. And it's so much oh. more badass, yo. If you, just, um, you drop a piano on a helicopter, that's that, right. I mean, yeah. I mean, th- this thing we 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 hate because we love. Like this stuff depresses us because yes. we love these characters so much. And I think I do think that the filmmakers love these characters, but I also think that these things get cranked and some stuff goes out the window. It's movie filmmaking by committee, and and it's tough. That's what it is because we, we love these characters, and they're so close with the casting and the effects. And the talent, they're so close. And little things like human bombs detonating and putting people into the walls and creating ash silhouettes. But you know what? If you jump behind a hot dog stand, you'll be A-OK. Like, that's crazy. People are getting, like, literally evaporated. evaporated yeah. But Happy jumps behind a hot dog stand. Maybe Stark Tech. You can't kill John Favreau. Maybe man. Stark Tech built the hot dog stand. Who knows? I would. That's cool. What if the hot dog stand is the same is the same like vibranium metal that is used. <laughs> I mean, is it Captain America's shield and Ca- Captain America's shield. What if they're Captain America hot dogs? Mm. That's absurd. I'm suddenly hungry though. Mm. I mean, think of. I mean, yeah, it is absurd, and that's why when we saw John Favreau like, you know, a little roasted and injured, I was like, no, dude, you should be Ash. 
Because anyway. we just saw a bunch of people yeah. pulverized onto the walls. Iron Man 3 was just a waste of time. I'm sorry. I get yeah. so sad. You know, there's, Go see Oblivion. It was actually smart. Yeah, Oblivion's a really good movie. I was shocked that you know, so many critics were hating on it, and I actually went to see it. And I'm like, no, this is Oblivion's good. You guys will enjoy Oblivion. If you haven't seen Oblivion, go see Oblivion. Also, we've got Star Trek coming up in a week. Oh, yes. I can't wait for the Star Trek. And you know what? Uh, last week when we were talking to Adrian here on Geekscape, when we were asking what, about his, his, the box office predictions, what he thinks is going to be big out of the box office, I forgot Wolverine. And maybe it's because it comes out in late July. But mm-hmm. holy crap, I was talking to somebody uh, at the comic book store yesterday, and he's got buddies in the studio. Everybody in L.A. has got buddies that have seen this. Yeah. And, and he said his buddies who have seen Wolverine say it's awesome. Dude, the Wolverine movie. Oh, well, Silver Samurai is in it. So that, dude, that's did enough you see that shot in trailer of giant Silver Samurai with his mm-hmm. sword, like in Logan's trying to hold him off? I am so excited for them to fix the cinematic X universe. It's going to be awesome. You think it needs fixing? Um, I no, not after First Class. Okay, but after I agree with that. Yeah, yeah. First Class did. First Class pretty much went the way of fixing it, mm-hmm. and now with the time jumping stuff, we can now fix the singer version. Mm. The singer portion of the X universe, right. and fishtail the two, dovetail the two into each other, so that we have one X cinematic universe again, and it is strong, it is awesome, and maybe under the you know the the the, the watchful eye of Mark Millar and with Josh Trank doing Fantastic Four, oh, right, 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 maybe right, we'll right, have right, ourselves right. a Fantastic Four X Men crossover, and we'll we'll, one we'll, day. we'll maybe have like an Avengers thing going on over at Fox, and it's maybe Fox, I mean. First class put gave us all hope that Fox has snapped out of the whole Daredevil X three mm-hmm. status that they were in, and now they're ready to do fan service. That and on top of it, the Rise of the Planet of the Apes. Like it sounds like some real, that looks amazing. It, it, yeah. it, well, the, the, the first the first one was awesome, and so maybe yeah. maybe we're gonna start getting some awesome sci fi now. You know, well they got Elysium. Elysium, yeah. That looks really yeah. cool. That looks great. And After Earth is also an original concept. That's the one with uh, Will Smith. But it's M. Night Shyamalan. And, and I, I but got, they, but I, they're not talking about the fact that he directed it. I know. And, and they're I, keeping that out the here, press. Here's what I remember. Like, here's the fact. Will Smith passed up Django. Yes, he did. To yeah. do After Earth. Yeah. He read the Django script for which Jamie Foxx got so much praise. And he goes, I'm going to do After Earth. So is that a boon to After Earth? Or was... Will Smith scared off by the controversy. Well, he actually did Django. address why he didn't do okay. Django. Oh. He basically said that he felt that Django's character was not pro- progressive, not progressive, uh, proactive enough mm-hmm. as a main character. He he was just playing second fiddle in his own story. Right. So, and Will Smith, being who he is, it's not is a bad usually argument. the first, you know, the main guy in all of his stories. So in this, uh, so in this After Earth, when his son is running around the planet, like doing all this stuff, and he's mm-hmm. just sitting in a chair directing the entire time, is that active? <laughs> I don't know. I, we got to see it. <laughs> I mean, the reality it. is but that the trailer it doesn't look like th- he's that much more active. It looks like he's but, in a chair going. They found fa- they found you. <laughs> you should run. Here's you the should trick. go. You we don't die. know. <laughs> we don't know yet. But right. the thing is, is that obviously his family's involved. Yes. So I'm pretty sure he'll take and a backseat to his son. Yeah. You know? So I mean, I mean, he's not doing anything any other Hollywood legacy has done. I mean, yes. when a Paltrow's mom is Blood Danner and her father was Bruce Paltrow. I mean, there's a ton of legacies like the Coppolas. And and I, Nicholas, I, you know, I like his son. I yeah, thought his right. kid was yeah. great. I mean, but my whole point is that I think Will Smith's getting a lot of unfair criticism for doing what everyone else in Hollywood does. You're not going to hear it from me, brother. No, well, obviously you. But, I mean, you know, Susan Sarandon's daughter's acting. You know, um, the cop, you know, Nicolas Cage is, you know, one of Francis Ford Coppola's relatives. And Sophia his, his Coppola. nephew. 
Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So in the Italia Shire, who was, you know, mm -hmm. Adrian and Rock, I mean, you see this happen, and then somehow Will Smith is getting all this heat for doing what everyone else in Hollywood does. That just doesn't make Anti -black any sense Anti-black prejudice? To me. I don't know. I just think a lot of people have issues with Will Smith because who he, because his, I think Will Smith is kind of weird when it comes to that whole, it's not really a racial thing. I think some people are just tired of him. Right. Because Tom Cruise has gone through the same thing. But he gave us so much, you know? Will Smith. I believe so. I mean, Fresh Prince is the greatest That's show That's what ever. we're saying. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. He gave us that, and he gave us uh, Independence Day. Six Degrees of Separation. Welcome to Earth. Oh, yeah, when he played the gay kid in yeah. Six Degrees of Separation. With a stock of channel, uh -huh. who's still hot as hell. Uh-huh. And I was also thinking about the Whoopi Goldberg, Ted Danson romantic Oh, comedy. that movie sucked. Hey, man. Hey. Oh, my. Nia Long hey. was in that. What well, was that called? Made in America? That hey. was one of the... Oh, hey. Jesus Christ, Whoa, dude. Man. Oh, my the, God. The music, oh, my the God. Music couldn't come soon What music? Enough. Oh man! Oh jeez! Oh, now this guy's about to start making fun of Made in America. Whoa! Looks like we're just uh, running out of time. Let's do a couple more quick plugs. Uh, this is a book that you actually have out right now called Miles Away. Yes. It's from Antarctic Press. You did yes. this book with Anthony Montgomery. He's an actor from Star Trek Enterprise. That's yeah. cool. And we can we can order this on Amazon or pick it up. It's Antarctic at Press. Antarctic Press, and I I don't know if it's on Amazon, but okay. it is on I think Comics Plus. Okay, which is another uh, digital. You know, download, but yeah, you can get it through Antarctic Press. And you got Joshua Run, uh, which is going to be on the Amazon store in the next week or two. And graphically. And yeah. it's all digital. And then yeah. uh, where can we find all this stuff? Like, is there a one stop shop, Twitter, or what you is it? You can go to lionforge.com mm -hmm. and for the Lionforge stuff. And you can find my stuff. I'm on Twitter at Brandon Easton. Okay. You know, like it's spelled, it sounds like it's spelled like it sounds. And I'm also on Facebook. And my Shadow Law website is uh, shadowlawonline.com. And I have a like a hub of all my stuff there. That's pretty awesome. Uh, I I definitely urge you guys to support Brandon and the Lion Forge people. Thank you. Uh, you'll be hearing a lot more about them on Geekscape.net. That's our website where we hang our hats and post about news and reviews and all this stuff every single day. We just we're cranking right now, and so many exciting things are coming down the pipe as we make the road to E3 and Comic Con this summer. You can find me at Jonathan Leonard on Twitter. On Facebook, you can find Geekscape. Uh, just search for Geekscape on Facebook and Twitter. Follow us, befriend us, and be a part of the community that we've been building. And we've been working on this thing for seven years. For Johnny Ice, we'll be back next week on the thir uh, on Thursday, 6 to 7, Toad Hop Network. Uh, thank you guys so much for listening. And Johnny, wave goodbye. I'm out of here. See you guys next week. Take care. You're listening to the Toad Hop Network, radio worth watching.